becoming an overcomer. We're going to talk about this for three weeks. And what I love about the Bible is if you read through the Bible, just chapter by chapter, you get a new topic. You get a new thought. You get a new view. And so we've been working our way now almost a year and a half through Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And we're only up through Matthew 13. <laughs> it's slow going, man, but it's good going. And here's the crazy thing. We're going to be in Matthew 13 for three weeks, and I'm not going to read a single verse from it today. All right? All we're going to do today is prepare for next Sunday when we get into Matthew 13. So if you were already flipping to Matthew 13, I apologize. We're not getting into it quite yet. We're going to prepare for it first. Let's pray first. Lord Jesus, I just pray that our hearts would be good ground. Good ground, Lord God, that's already been prepped and ready for the Word of God, the seed of God to be dropped right in there. Lord, deep in our hearts, covered over, and so that it can be fruitful. Lord, help us to have ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to perceive. Lord, minds that are not dull, but Lord, that minds that are in tune and, and souls that are in tune with you today. I pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Become an overcomer. Now, to overcome is a verb. All right? To overcome. But being an overcomer is a noun. My, my kid's in English. He's teaching me these things. <laughs> Oh boy, um, I don't know about you, I don't want just to overcome, I actually want to take on the identity of being an overcomer. Because see, if I am an overcomer, then I will naturally overcome. But if I'm not an overcomer and randomly I overcome here, I'm scratching my head wondering, how did I just do that? I what was the secret? And we were kind of blind to the, to the successes that we have. And I know this has happened to me many times. I get a blessing and I'm like, I don't know why that came to me. <laughs> I wish I could figure out what I did to get that blessing because I'd be doing that all the time. And that's where the Bible says that the children of Israel, they, they experienced God's deeds. But Moses knew God's way. He was an overcomer. They just experienced overcoming events here and there, never clued in to why they were able to overcome. So I want you and I want me, I want us, I want us to be overcomers and not just experience having overcome events or situations, problems, difficulties in our lives. It's just like somebody who says, do you want to be a success or do you want to have success? I'd rather be a success because then I will have success. It'll happen. Or, or instead of just winning some and losing some, why don't I just be a winner all the time? I want to be a winner. Then I will win. Or someone, here's a classic example, someone who diets or someone who is self a self-controlled person. <laughs> I would far rather just be a self-controlled person than to be dieting the rest of my life and never get to where I need to be. We're going to talk about that a little bit in the next couple of weeks too. Um, how about this? Instead of just doing good things, I would like to be a Christian. God. I want to be a Christian and then I will do good things. All right? So we're going to be talking about being an overcomer, not just how to overcome. You need, it's a, it's a, you need to take on the identity of an overcomer. 
You need to become that, that person. All right, so I love this scripture. You've, you've heard it before. You've read it before. You've probably heard it from me before. Proverbs 23, uh, uh, 7, classic scripture that says, For as a man thinks in his heart or in his mind, so is he. All right? So if you're thinking, I'm a loser, I'm a loser, I'm a loser, hey, guess what? You're a loser. You know? You, you tell yourself, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Well, therefore, you can't. As a man or as a woman thinks in their heads, so are they. All right? So there's something to be said about talking to yourself and telling yourself things because you will become the person you tell yourself that you're to be. And how much more, if God tells you you're that person, you need to repeat that back to yourself and say, Jesus, you said that I'm more than a conqueror. You said it. So I'm going to tell myself I am more than a conqueror. In fact, let's look at that scripture, Romans 8, 31 through 37. I'll, I'll read it to you. And it's got so many cool things in it. But look at this, Romans 8, 31. And we're just, we're just scanning through this one. This, we're not going to park here very long. But it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Hey, is God 20% for you? Is he 40% for you? No. He is 120% in favor of you. Now, he may not be in favor of the things you do, all right? You've got to separate those things. But he is in favor. He is on your side. Isn't that powerful? It says, he who did not even spare his own son when you were living in sin, I was living in sin. He went ahead and sent his son even when you weren't even remotely thinking about God. And he gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give you all things, Keith and Anna and Debbie and, and Liz? I'm telling you, he wants to give you everything. Everything. The question is, are you ready to receive everything? You know, the problem is God says, I'm ready to dump all this blessing on you. And your little cup is about this big right here. Tiny little thimble uh, shot glass, all right? All right? And he he wants to pour all this blessing. He says, you can't contain it. we got to stretch you a little bit. We're going to get you a little bit bigger. All right? He says, he's graciously given us all things. Who will bring any charge against those who, are, who he's chosen? No one. No one. It is God who justifies. And, and who is it that condemns? No one. Did you know that the devil doesn't have the power to condemn or judge you? Even, it's not even his responsibility. He, even if he did say, I judge you, it wouldn't mean an ounce of anything. The only person in the universe that can condemn and judge is God himself. Lord. That's it. That's why the word says here, no one. So if you're feeling condemned... It's not coming from God. Amen. Now, he'll warn you. He'll say, you messed up, and you might feel convicted of the Holy Spirit. You should respond to that. Right. But after you've messed up, you've messed up. It's not going to help to listen to condemnation. The only one in the universe that can condemn is God himself. Jesus who died, it goes on here. Jesus who died, more than that, who is raised to 
to life is at the right hand of God and he's interceding for you. He's on your side. Rebecca, he's on your side. He's on your side, Sister Doris. He's not against us. He's standing there praying for us. And when we mess up, he'll bring it to our attention, but he doesn't condemn you for it. Condemn means sign, seal, delivered, you're a loser, you're never going anywhere. That's what the devil's saying. But God's saying, I'm praying for you. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father praying for you. He's for you. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, depression, despair, anger, fear? Will any of that separate you from the love of God that's in Christ? It can't do it. As it is written, for your sake... I face death all day long. Do you ever do that? Do you ever feel that way? Threats coming at you. All kinds of bad stuff. All of this. It's, I face death all day long. I feel like a sheep just about to be slaughtered. But it says in verse 37, no. In all of these things, depression, fear, threats, horror, all that stuff, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors. So Jesus is not whispering in your ear. He's yelling in your face. You are a conqueror. Thank you, Lord. And what we need to do now is we need to say, okay, I'm a conqueror. As I think in my mind, so am I. And I've got some scriptures in the next couple of weeks that are going to blow your mind with this truth right here. You start looking in the mirror. We're going to talk about that. You start looking in the mirror and you tell yourself, I am more than a conqueror because my God says that I'm more than a conqueror. Not because of anything that I've done or not done. God says it. I'm going to start telling myself that thing. And I'm going to start becoming a conqueror. I'm going to become an overcomer. And as I become it, I'm going to start acting like it too. And I'm going to start overcoming the things in my life that I want to see overcome. Amen. All right? Praise God. So here's where we're going to kind of park. All right. It's just three verses. And I spoke on them last Sunday night. And it was so to me. I think you know, being good for anybody else. It was so good for me because it's my personal devotions. It wasn't it wasn't something I said, oh, they'll like this. No, it wasn't that. All right. It was. Whoa, this is good. This helps me so much. So look at this. Revelations 320. Through 22, all right? Part of this, I've heard many times over. The rest of it, I had ignored, and that was a problem. I hadn't keyed in on this stuff. Uh, but it says in Revelations 3.20, Here I am. This is Jesus speaking. And he's speaking, as Linda's mentioned, he's speaking to Christians, all right? He's not talking to the, the lost, the people who don't know Jesus. No, he's talking to you. He's talking to me. So that means I have got a door that's shut to him. It says, behold, uh, well, that's the older English version here. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. So here's Jesus. Knock, 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 knock at your heart's door. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Oh, makes me think, of, oh, I love this thought. It came to me several times this week. He prepares for me a table in the presence of my enemies. Oh, and I was honored. Someone was saying, 
You're in the eye of the storm, a hurricane storm whirling around you. Danger and threats on every side, but you're in the eye of the storm. And God says, here, have a seat. What? Have, are, you, are, are you crazy? I'm not going to sit down and relax while I've got to keep my eye on the storm. And he says, no, sit down. He says, I'll eat with you. But listen to this. <laughs> to the one who's victorious. Okay, they open the door. They eat with Jesus. They sup with him. They commune with him. And they continue in that. They become victorious people. Oh, that's interesting. To the one who is victorious, not only that, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Not in the sweet by and by, not when I die. No, right here, right now, I get to sit with Jesus on his throne, exercising that authority that I've always wanted to be able to exercise. Moving mountains like I've always wanted to move them. Filling in valleys that I've always wanted to fill in. Making a straight path in the name of Jesus. Blazing a path. Why? Because I opened the door of my heart to Him. Thank you, Lord. And I didn't stop there. I said, Jesus, come in. I'm going to tell you, I've done this 15 or 20 times this week. Experimenting with the truth of the Word of God. And it works. As soon as I encounter a stressful situation, I say, Jesus, door number one. <laughs> Stress written all over it. I had some stressful situations. I didn't know what to do. And I remember this scripture because I want to understand. I'm going to practice this stuff. I don't talk about it unless it works. All right. And I said, Jesus, I open the door to my stress. Praise God. You're already in my house. I open the main door. You're in my life. Oh, I'm, I'm like thinking about this and getting all noodly already. Open the door. You come into my stressful room. And you know what? He brought peace like that. Brought peace like that because he's knocking on it. And usually I'm inside, got it locked. But I've started realizing I need to come out of that room myself. Let's, let's look at this. Jesus, I'll open it from the outside and let's go in together. And in there's all the sludge and the mess and the slop of my life, the stench of my life, and I say, Jesus, I'm sorry you have to smell this. I'm sorry you have to see this. But your word says to open the door. Amen. So I'm going to open the door for you, Amen. and I'm going to let you in to this mess that I probably created myself and instant peace Instant cleanness, Amen. instant wonder. Amen. Praise God. Amen. And Jesus says, in this mess, let's sit down and eat. <laughs> let's sit down and have relationship. Let's sit down. Maybe we'll clean it up first before we start eating. But let's, let's you and me have that closeness that we could only have in this type of room right here. Isn't that awesome? Incredible. That relationship. And then you're breathing. You think this is the best thing since sliced bread. And then, no, there's more. <laughs> there's more to it. Now, you're going to start overcoming. Because you open that door, you're going to start overcoming. 
And we're going to talk about this is the whole thing is what we overcome. Because we've totally misjudged what we're supposed to overcome in our lives, all right? But we're going to start overcoming. And then when you, you, Steve Norman, you start overcoming, I'm going to let you come up. I'm going to give you the right to sit on my throne in this life and start taking authority after thing, after thing, after. I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. And you're going to start loosing and binding like you never loosed and bound before. But you know what? I couldn't give you the keys to the kingdom because you weren't ready for them yet. Anybody that thinks as soon as you give your heart to the Lord, he says, here's the keys to the kingdom. No, it doesn't. <laughs> You'd create a complete mess if you had that level of authority. You wouldn't be listening to the Lord. You'd be doing out stuff on your own. And that's not what that's not what we're here to do. We're here to listen to God. And as he guides us, we bind this thing. We lose. We take authority over that thing. We we mark things for the power of God to hit them and, and, and make a miracle happen. And so, praise God. Look at this. So you say, Steve, are you serious? You, are you sure that you can sit in a spiritual sense? sit in heavenly realms with Christ Jesus in this life and reign in this life? Are you, are you sure about that? Absolutely, I'm sure about it. Look at Ephesians 2.6, and it's one on our experience sheet for this week. The whole thing, Ephesians, I think, 1.18 all the way through 2.6, because it says, first, Jesus was seated in heavenly realms at the right hand of the Father above powers and principalities and authorities and everything was made subject to him and then in Psalms 110 I believe it says sit here the Lord said to my Lord sit here while I make your enemies a footstool so you'd say well that's Jesus that's not me but then you go to Ephesians 2 6 and it says and God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. You can rule in life, because it says it in Romans 5.17. You want to mark that one down. You can reign in this life. You don't need to be under your problems. You don't need to be under your addictions, your difficulties. No, God called you to live above this. He told, he told Adam, I'm going to make you, I'm going to have you rule over everything. But you know what? We dummies, I don't know if we gave the keys to the devil or if he stole them from us, but we gave him the keys and we've been under his thumb all our lives. But you know what God is saying? Here's the, here's the way back to that. Here's how you don't have to be under, under your life instead of on top of your life, all right? So let's, let's work backwards here just thinking about this. You can't exercise spiritual authority in your life or in someone else's until you become an overcomer. That's the word of God. You can't do it until you learn how to overcome. And you can't be an overcomer until you have a rich, continual relationship with Jesus himself. Oh, okay. How do I do that? Well, you can't have a rich, wonderful relationship with Jesus until you start opening door after door after door in your life saying, Jesus, come into this mess. Jesus, come into that mess. Come in and fix this. Come in and fix that. I was praying this morning, and you, you don't know the struggles that I have in my brain. And I don't know the struggles that you have in your brain. <laughs> all right? We all have them. 
struggles, like temptations and pulls and distractions. And I was, I was just praying. I was thanking God because he's really relieved me from a major stronghold that I have. And as I was praying, just a little glimmer, I could see, oh, I still have a problem. I feel it in my heart. You, you, we need to monitor our hearts. You need to look at your heart every, very often, all right, and say, God, how much do I love you? On a scale of one to ten, how much love do I have for you? And, whoa, I'm at a three or I'm at a seven. Whatever it is, I'm not at a ten. And it's a problem. And I was thinking about that this morning. I was like, oh, my word, I, I feel it. And I pictured this little door. We're talking about opening the door to the Lord. I pictured this little hobbit door. All right? All right? But it was really, it was smaller than a hobbit door. And I thought, if I open that door, it's going to smell the high heaven. <laughs> but it's, it's a bad desire I have. Horrible desire. I desire, you know what? I struggle with many things. One of them is greatness. I want to be great. How many of you want to be great? I'd love to be great. All right? Well, I'm like James and John going up to... To Jesus, or actually, I'll send my mom to Jesus like they did. <laughs> Say, hey, hey, tell Jesus I want to sit right hand, left hand in this kingdom on earth because I look really good. I have that. I have that problem. And and I said, God, I feel this. This is morning. I feel like I still. I'm sick of that, you know. And I've been opening doors all week, and so let's go to this nasty little door. And open it up. I can't even fit in there. But it's. I want you to go in there, God, and fix me. All right? Instant deliverance. Instant deliverance. Just like, boom, like that. Free. Praising God. Loving God. We have, if there's anything we can do, it's open doors to our lives. You, no one, no one can't not do that. How many double negatives are there? We can all do that. We can all open the doors of each little compartmentalized part of our lives. God's going to come in. He comes in. We build a relationship. We build a relationship. We become overcomers. We become overcomers. We can begin to see our prayers answered through the authority that God gives us. Isn't that awesome? Powerful. Powerful. I'm living it. I'm seeing it. So let's zoom in. Not to the doors, not to the relationship, not to the authority. Let's zoom in to what it is to be an overcomer. All right? Let's zoom right into that little piece right there. And that's where we're going to stay for three weeks. Um, we can't become an overcomer until we figure out what we've got to overcome. <laughs> Do you get that? We're fighting the wrong battles all the time. All the time. We're fighting the wrong enemies. And here's, I'll give you a couple of them that I, I can relate to. Um, maybe not right now in my life. But we're not fighting poverty. You know? If you go to your checkbook and there's not enough money there, you're worried that there's not going to be enough money, you're not fighting poverty. That's, that's not what you're trying to overcome. All right? Some uh, televangelists would tell us, you know, that... Uh, you know you're a good Christian when you have a lot of money. <laughs> that's that's baloney, you know. <laughs> that's nuts. Or or check this out. What? <laughs> yeah, worry. Find that scripture for me, right? <laughs> or you're 
You know you're a good Christian if you're not sick. No. That's dumb. That's crazy. You know, or you're a good Christian if you have the perfect marriage or if you have a good job or or whatever. You have material things. No, no, no. That's, that's already showing that we're fighting the wrong battles there already. But look at this. We're not trying to overcome poverty. Now, here's where it gets interesting. We're not trying to overcome addiction. That's not the battle. We're not trying to overcome addiction. We're not trying to overcome a poor self-image. And think about it. Anybody that has a poor self-image, what are they constantly fighting? Their poor self-image. <laughs> but that's not what we're trying to overcome. I'll tell you what we're going to try to overcome here in a second. Um, me and my mental battles that many of us can relate to. Fighting, struggling with whatever, you know, doubt, despair, depression, obsessive compulsive behaviors and thoughts that come into your, that's not the struggle. That's not what we're trying to overcome, all right? We're not trying to overcome a bad marriage partner, <laughs> all right? I'm thankful I don't have a bad marriage partner, but many of us do. And, but that's not what you're trying to overcome. There, you know, you talk, my wife, my, and I love my wife, so I'm making all this up. My wife drives me crazy. She never does this, and she never does that. She needs to be doing this. And you're struggling, you're trying to overcome the wrong thing. That's not the problem, all right? Some of us, uh, you know, struggle with our gender identity. Confused. You know, why as a man am I attracted to men? And why as a woman am I attracted to women? And we battle and we're trying to overcome that. But that's not what we're trying to overcome. All right. Loneliness. Some of us have a past that just beats us up, beats us up. Either we did something to someone or someone did something to us or a combination of the two. And we're trying to overcome our past, and we will never overcome our past. Because it's already done. You're not going to overcome it. We overcome, you know, I've been in this place where you're in a place of no opportunity. <laughs> a place of no opportunity. No way to progress up. Maybe it's a job thing. You know, no way to move up. And you're like, this is a dead-end place for me. I'm never going anywhere. You're not battling that. You're not, you're not going to overcome that. A threatening situation, sickness, depression, discouragement, despair. All of those things, we think we're trying to overcome those things and we're not. It comes from a much, much deeper, deeper thing that we're trying to overcome. And I'm going to tell you what they are. They're three bullies. Three bullies. Three big old, huge, honking, mean people. Personalities, things. I don't know what to call them. That are against every single one of us. And I'm going to tell you what they are. The first one is selfishness. Bully number one is our own selfishness. And that's what we have to overcome. That's hard, hard. It's hard to overcome yourself. <laughs> it's hard to overcome yourself. The second one that we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks is sin. And I'm not just talking about, oops, I looked at her and I should have looked. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a sin that you can't kick. What we would call a besetting sin. And uh, we'll, we're going to talk about that. So this sin 
that's inside of you, you may not even realize that it's there. And that's what's scary about it. Selfishness is the same way. You don't even realize it's there. And then the third bully is enchantment with this world. A love for this world. You look at it, oh, it's so glitzy, it's so beautiful. That career, that job, whatever it is, that money, it's so beautiful. And yet it's a bully and it's, it's, it's a standing against you. So this Sunday, we're going to identify what these three bullies are. We're just going to figure out, okay, bully number one, bully number two, bully number three. They got names. I know who they are. I just know them. There they are. It's, it's not the depression. It's not the, it's not the poverty. It's not my sickness. It's these three guys right here that are, they're coming against me. That's what I have to beat. Because when they're beat, everything else is going to be taken care of. Believe it or not, they're the root to everything. Um, as I was reading Revelations 3.20, uh, immediately the Holy Spirit, because I pictured, I, I honed in on overcoming, and the Holy Spirit almost immediately, it was during lunchtime, I was reading my Bible, personal devotions, and the Holy Spirit gave me these three things. Boom, boom, boom. Here they are. I thought, whoa, <laughs> I like it when that happens. You know, no guessing, no theorizing. It's boom, here it is. And then I started scratching my head. I was like, well, where's that in the Bible, though? That's, it sounds right. sounds good. But where? So next week, we'll hit where the Bible talks about these things. All right. But we're just identifying selfishness, sin, and enchantment with this world, the love for this world. And I challenge you, come Wednesday night, and we're going to get deep into this stuff. Deep into this stuff, all right? Um, so let's just cover... Rather quickly, um, <laughs> I never give myself enough time for this stuff. Um, let's look at selfishness, all right? We, we, we might only get through selfishness this morning. Look at Proverbs 18.1. If you have your Bibles, flip to it just really quick. If not, jot it down, and you can look at it later. But Proverbs 18.1 says, He who separates himself seeks his own desire." He quarrels against all sound wisdom. I read that. I, I don't ever remember reading that before. I'm sure I have. But what a verse about selfishness. He who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound judgment. And so we're talking about selfishness. We're talking about overcoming that selfish nature that we have. All right? In the, in the new world, the new world being probably been around for 10 years now, the new world of selfies. The new world of selfies. All right, you see people <laughs> walking around with a camera talking. To, and I'm not talking about vloggers. We won't get into what that. I'm talking about just normal Joe Blow people walking down the street. They're going to walk into a phone post and clock their heads. And they're taking pictures of themselves. You know? Like, what on earth do... You're beautiful. Just look in the mirror. It's all right. All right? But look at what they do. A selfish person separates themselves and seeks their own desires. And that's what church people tend to do all the time. You know, I talk to this lady. I don't go to church. No, no, no. I don't go to I have church in my home. By yourself? Yeah, by myself. All right? They've separated themselves and they're seeking their own desires. Um, we can't afford to do that. I never forget, I was in a very selfish frame of mind once. 
So much so that I, Sarah walked up to me and asked me something like, do you want to come, are you, we come to the table and eat? I was looking at her in the eye and I didn't hear a single solitary word that she said. Why? Because I'd separated myself and I was thinking of my own desires, literally. And she said, Daddy, Daddy. <laughs> oh, what, what, what? She said, did you hear what I just said? Uh, no. <laughs> I'm dead serious. We do this. We separate ourselves and we seek our own desires. So dangerous. And the enemy lures us out by, well, how do you feel about this? And what are your feelings? Say, feeling, 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 feeling. That's no way to live. We don't go by feelings. All right? Selfishness goes by feelings. But a couple of thoughts that I have aside from us separating ourselves is, uh, you know, a selfish person has a hardened heart. A hard heart. Doesn't, isn't touched by feelings of other people. Isn't touched entirely by their own feelings. They're stubborn. They refuse correction. And I'm talking myself here, all right? I'm saying they, but I know because I've done this many times. I'm stubborn. I'm not teachable. And I won't listen to you. That's what a selfish person does. They just won't listen. They, they're not teachable. And listen to this. It's so important, especially as we grow older, they're unwilling to change. I see that. The older I get, well, maybe not me, because I'm, I'm a freak of nature. I like change. But most of us, as we grow older, we don't like change. Be careful with that. You know? Jesus says, I'm going to do a new thing. And music sounds a little different, and the church might be organized a little different. Why? Because Jesus is doing a new thing. So we've got to be careful. This applies to us. Self-centeredness applies to all of us. Me include every single one of us. Acts 1-7. Jesus responds to his disciples. They're wanting to know when, when the kingdom is coming. And he says, uh, it's not for you to know the times and the dates that the Father has set by his own authority. He's saying, get rid of selfishness. He said, I'm not going to tell you your life from A to Z. You're going to walk your life. You're going to live your life one step at a time. And I'm going to guide you through your life. The steps of a good man are ordered to the Lord. But I'm not going to give you the whole plan. Because I want you to trust in me. A self-centered person says, you know what? I'm not going to commit until I know all the details. Sorry, I don't have time. We're going to talk about time here in a second as well. I'm not going to commit to anything until you can tell me the whole plan. And God says, no. I'm not going to tell you the whole plan. If you knew the whole plan, it would ruin you. All right? I remember once walking up, <laughs> walking outside. Fortunately, there's nobody else around outside in a public area yelling at God to tell me what was going to happen. Because I need to know, God, yelling at God at the top of my lungs. I bet you've done it too. And if you didn't do it with your voice, you did it in your head. All right, It was bad because you can explode when you do those types of things. You need to let it out sometimes. <laughs> but you know what? God said, no, I'm not going to. You can yell all you want to. All right, I'm going to lead you one step at a time. You've got to trust me. All right, self-centered people say, I've got to know the plan. God says, no, they want to know. I want to know when, God, when are you going to do this? I remember telling God just a couple of months ago, um, God, it's been two and a half years. 
that's a long time, God. And no answer. <laughs> because God holds times in his, the Bible says he holds the times in his hands. All right? The times are in his hands. And so a self, selfish person always needs to know timing about everything. All right? Genesis 4, 9. Don't worry, we're almost done. Genesis 4, 9. The Lord said to Cain after he killed his brother, where is your brother Abel? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? That's a self-centered thing to say. I love, sorry, keep pointing out what Kay is doing. She's looking out for other people, all right, by the homebound folks. That's, she is her brother's keeper. And you know what? I'm my brother's keeper, and so are you. We should care about each other. If somebody's missing or MIA for a while, let's call them up. Find out where they, I love, we do this already. Where's, you know, Hilda's not here. I'm going to be texting her and saying, hey, Hilda, are you okay? You know, we care for each other. We look out for each other. I am my brother's keeper. But somebody who's self-centered has little compassion um, and doesn't take responsibility for other people. We can't be that way. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 and 2. Uh, the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, But realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come. Why? Because people will be lovers of themselves. That's why times are going to get hard. I'll tell you what, when I'm on a team at work and somebody's self-centered, it breaks the team down very, very quickly. We don't get much of anything done. And you know what? I can't trust a self-centered person because they're not looking out for me. All right? And I try to look out for them. That's why in marriage you got to be selfless. You're looking out for each other. You're meeting each other's needs. All right? And so selfless, selfish people have a low desire for God. Low desire for God. So if you ever look in your heart and you're just like, ugh, I don't even want to go to church. I don't feel like getting up. Oh, it's selfishness. It's pride creeping back in. you got to do something about that. you got to renounce that. They're consumed, and I want to highlight this, selfish people are consumed with their time, with their money, with their plan, it's all about me, and don't infringe on me. It's my life. You know, seriously, give some time to somebody this week. If we're so consumed with our schedules, that's a problem. It's a big problem. And we can't afford to do that. Give some time to somebody else and expect nothing in return. Just give your time to somebody. Give your money to somebody. My goodness. I'm horrible with names, and I say this to the praise of God, not that I'm horrible with names, the story that I'm about to tell you, but this homeless guy that I drive by every day to work, uh, I learned his name's Lloyd, all right? And so the second day, he's kind of new to the area, <laughs> the second day, uh, I try to almost always roll down my window and tell him, I'm sorry, I don't have anything to give you, but at least I, you talk to them, and that seems to make a world of difference. Can you imagine... All day long, walking by cars, the windows rolled up, and people won't look at you. Maybe a terrible feeling. What? Or looking down. So roll down your windows. Unless, you know, there's a couple of times I haven't, because I feel like you know, it might be a little bit dangerous. But generally, roll down your window and just say, I am so sorry to have anything, but how are you doing today? That was looking. I'm 
either tell you they're doing horrible or they're doing okay, but at least you, you've acknowledged their humanity. <laughs> and so anyways, this, this guy, um, I learned his name is Lloyd, so the next day, and you can't, you can't miss Lloyd. The guy looks like a dog chomped half his ear off. I mean, he is recognizable. He's missing a part of his ear. It's crazy. But anyways, I was talking to him, and I said, hey, Lloyd, how's it going? He said, do you know my name? <laughs> yeah, we talked the other day. I mean, we've got selflessness will acknowledge people. You'll be touched by people. You'll have a, a heart of compassion. You know, Deborah, I don't mean to point her out. She has a heart of compassion. She, she loves people, right? And we need to be that way. We need to be, be that way. Be touched by people's needs. Be, be affected by their needs. Give them your time. And this is a verse, and we'll end with this, this one here. Psalm, or Proverbs 11.25 is one that Sarah, my daughter Sarah, has, has taught me, has quoted many times. But a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Refresh somebody. Don't, don't get all consumed in your lack of time, your lack of money. Refresh somebody. Go out and look for them. Practice selflessness. And what I found is a selfish person is always an unhappy person. Always unhappy. Always, always, always. But a selfless person is always a happy person. Because they're generous. And God honors his word and says, I'm going to refresh you because you've been refreshing to somebody else. Let's bow our heads. Lord God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And uh, we thank you, God, for the clarity of your word. Lord, we're going to see next week where these three bullies are found, oh God. And so, Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would, just this week, all we do is we identify who we're supposed to overcome. We're not supposed to overcome tough situations. We're not supposed to overcome sickness. We're not supposed to overcome depression. No, 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 no. We overcome selfishness. We overcome sin. And we overcome a love for this world. That's the root of all these other problems that we have. Lord God, so help us just this very simply this week. Help us to simply identify who and what we're to overcome. Simply to identify it. We pray this. In the name of Jesus. And I pray for every person in here, Lord God, that uh, the form that selflessness takes to me might be different from my wife, Lord, or from someone else in this room. Lord, help us to figure out our version of selfishness, Lord. Identify it. Look it in the eye and say, hey, next week I'm going to come against you with some ammunition. I'm going to take you down. I'm going to be an overcomer through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. But first step, identify. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.